Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. And, but I have this book that was really, really impactful, and it's a book by a guy named Gary Richmond, and, and, and it's titled, It's a Jungle Out There. It's a jungle out there. How many of you know it's a jungle out there? Some of you, by, by out there, I mean like beyond your bedroom. Like in your home, it's still a jungle, right? But there are stories in this book where he 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 was working at the LA Zoo and he had he had some crazy stories and and I know I've used this before because I had it highlighted in this book, but but you know just it, it fits and so I'm going to use it again. But he said that he was working he was working in in the back one day and there was this cage and there was 15 uh, red tail hawks in this cage in the back of the zoo. And they were they're protected animals, and but they were they were there, and and nobody could see them. They were in the very back of the zoo, but he had to feed them every day, clean up after them every day. And he asked his boss, he said, "Why aren't these animals on display?" And the boss said, the zookeeper guy, he said, he said, "Listen, he said these were actually uh, confiscated by the federal government in a poaching case where someone had." had caught these wild red-tailed hawks, and they were keeping them in captivity. And because the courts can draw these things out, they gave them to us to, for safekeeping. But their evidence, we can't do anything with them. He said, we can't, we can't put them in the big, huge birdcage and let them kind of have a freedom of life somewhat. They're still in a zoo, right? And he said, no, no, we can't do that. And he said, so day after day, he just kept feeding these birds and tending to them. And after a while, he just, he was so burdened by the whole thing. He was just bummed that these, these crazy birds wouldn't be able to, to be released, right? And, and, and the guy, the boss told him, he was like, they're probably never going to be released. And um, finally, the guy was like, well, I might get in trouble, but I'm going to, I'm going to accidentally leave the door open. Right? When I go to lunch today. So he fed him again like he'd been doing for months. And, and he goes to lunch and he comes back only to find the birds were all still there. They were all still there. Why, why wouldn't they fly to their freedom? Why wouldn't they spread their wings and go and enjoy all of life? Why wouldn't they do that? Because... See, these birds, they, they traded predictability over purpose. Okay? They traded boredom for bravery. Because routine sometimes lulls us, lulls us into the, the, the idea that everything's okay. How many of you have been there? Right? How many of you just just play a game with me this morning by interacting? <laughs> okay. Um, how many of you like predictable? No, no, no. Raise your hand. You like predictable. Now, no. Let me let me give you some. I like predictable in how my steak is cooked. Right. Medium. Medium. Medium rare. Okay. Not not well. If I wanted to sh- eat a boot soul, I would. Okay, I want flavor. I want moisture. Come on, somebody. I like a little garlic butter on my steak when it comes out. Speak to me. Right? I like butter melting in all the crevices of my baked potato when it hits the... I like sour cream on the side so that I can choose how much. I like chives. Some of you don't. Not a chive girl like the chives, okay? I like an appropriate portion of, of, of vegetables, the green, you got to have green on the plate. How many of you know you got to have green? My, my, my buddy Jason, uh, I travel all over the place with this guy named Jason. He's preached here before, Jason Dickinson. He's, he's an incredible guy. He eats nothing green. He said, if God would have made me a cow, I would have eaten green all my life. He didn't. So I eat the cow, <laughs> It's nothing green, but it's predictable, right? I like my, my, my rolls, like, soft on the inside. Come on, somebody. And the appropriate temperature, well, they will melt butter when you put it in there. Don't bring me a roll that won't melt butter. 
What's that? Did you just open a bag, throw a roll on the plate? I want my tea half and half. I like a little sugar, but mostly not. You know why? Because if I wanted more, I'd just dip my little finger. <laughs> I am that sweet. <sighs> How many of you... If you were writing your children's story, would choose bravery over boredom for them. Would choose purpose over predictability for them. For your friends. For your family. Come on, somebody. For everyone else. Then why do we typically choose predictability over purpose? Boredom over bravery. Many times I think that as a follower of Jesus, I can stay trapped in the cage of my own insecurity or the cage of fear or my own circumstance when I believe that God has opened the cage door and he's allowed me to fly to freedom. Come on. But yet what has happened? Too often, I should have just preached from in there. That would have been a perfect analogy. Too often I like to stay bound. Yes? So I'm praying for you today that release will come. And that the cage door will be unlocked for you. And that you'll understand that the lock was always on the inside. Was never on the out. So you've always had the ability to unlock the door. But that ability doesn't lie with anybody but with you. So I want to I talk today about the presence of God, how that the presence of God is everything to us. Our, our, lives, our lives can be great, can't they? But the challenge with our lives is the problems that come, right? Um, arguments come, disagreements come, critics come. Critics bring drama to our life, yes. All kinds of issues come. Financial issues come. And as soon as you feel, feel like you've got one financial issue, you know, accomplished, then what else happens? The check engine light comes on in some other part of your life. Right? And as soon as you get that settled, then the washing machine quits. Right? And, and then it's just one thing after the next. It's... it's how many of you remember when little kids' clothes were cheap? I don't have little kids anymore. I remember when little kids' shoes cost like 20 bucks. Now their shoes cost more than mine. Right? A lot more. And especially if they got what they wanted. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, I think a lot of times we think that if I can just get my problems taken care of, then life will be different. Life will be better. Life will be good, right? But if problems just go away, then I'll be happy. But the problem is, is problems just don't typically go away. Because once we get past one, another one shows up. And then here we are again. So um, I want to suggest that something else happens when we make God the number one in our life. And as we begin to hang on to what God has to say to us, I said this last week in passing, but I want to circle back. I want you to just check it out in your notes. I want you to understand that all we can really expect from God is what God has promised us. But I want you to understand this. You can expect everything that God has promised you. Everything he's promised, you can expect it to come to pass. So the, the more we dig into what he's promised and hang on to what he's promised, the more we will be equipped to deal with the problems that arrive, right, at our doorstep. God never promises that we wouldn't have problems. 
In fact, the opposite is true. He said you would have issues come up, right? He would. But that if God's presence is there, he will give us peace even in the middle of the problem. Right? So the problem doesn't go away. The car's still messed up. The washing machine still doesn't work good. Right? How many of you hate it when it gets hung up and you, you need dry clothes, but it's full of water when you go to put them in the dryer? Just real life I'm talking about right now. Some of you are like, get back to preaching. No, I'm just I'm preaching, trust me. Because that's a spiritual moment for you if you're in a hurry. Right? Mm-hmm. In your notes, write this down. God's presence is the promise that leads to peace. God's presence is the promise that leads to peace. Not the absence of problems, the presence of God in the middle of the problems. In fact, I would submit to you that the number one promise of the Bible in its entirety, the most important thing that God has promised us is His presence. Because with the presence of God, anything can be accomplished. Where God is, anything's possible. Right? Anything's possible. Where He is. And so we see this from the very beginning. God God talks about walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Right? In the Garden of Eden. The idea was that His presence was there with them, right? They had, they had a closeness. They had a, a connection together. And you see the whole journey throughout the Bible. It shows us again and again it, it, this thing called the tabernacle, right? In the Old, in the Old Testament. They, they went to great length to move the tabernacle. Why? Why did they move it when they journeyed? Why did they? Because the presence of God was there, right? The presence of God was there. When the temple, when the temple was built, why would, they, why would they build a temple? Because the presence of God was there. God wanted to inhabit that place, right? He was very specific on how it was arranged, on how it was built. God is a God of order. I want you to understand. God's never a God of chaos. He's a God of order. Then the, then the night Jesus died upon the cross, the veil that was in the temple that was, that was separating the Holy of Holies, right, the most holy place in the temple, from the rest of the, the inner court of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and God was symbolizing to the entire world that no longer was he going to reside within a specific place that, that only a few would be allowed into. No. For now, because of the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus died, listen, I want you to understand, God chose to allow his presence to not reside there, but within the heart of every one of us. So literally in the temple, the veil that they had up, this huge veil, you can read about it in scripture, it tears from the top to the bottom, symbolizing a release of the presence of God into our lives. Come on, church. We have that now access to the holiest place, the heart of God. And then you get to the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Right before the end, you see this promise again. You see it again. And listen, the promise isn't just no more suffering. Some people think that's heaven. No more suffering. No more tears. Some of you are tired of crying tears. No more crying. That isn't... It, it, it isn't just heaven. What, what came to bring, what, what he came to bring you is not just one day, not just one moment where you could have a relief of all those things. But, but he, he did what? He said he wanted to bring us a promise of his presence that would be ongoing. That would be ongoing. I hate goodbyes. How many of you hate goodbyes? Dude, I, I struggle with goodbyes. I would almost rather just somebody walk away 
Come on. Then sit there and snot and cry. And, and I will snot on your shoulder. I'm just telling you right now. I have a pastor friend that this morning. He's saying goodbye to his church. I can't even imagine that. What that day would look like. Come on. And I'm praying that the presence of God is leading him. And them. Come on, church. And them. The promise from God is this, Ezekiel 37. Look in your notes. I'll, I'll put all these scriptures there. Ezekiel 37, verse 26. I will make a covenant of, of peace with them. I will, it will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them, and I will be their God, and, and they will be my people, and the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy. When my sanctuary is among them forever. John 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who's that? Who is that? That's Jesus. It's the word became flesh. The, the living, active, breathing word of God. The presence in embodiment. Right? He took on human flesh. He becomes flesh. And he, he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory for the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, he says. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people again, again, and again. It is testifying of the fact when Jesus died upon the cross and the veil was torn, God removed the barrier between himself and mankind where only a select few of the, the priests could go and in it and worship him in that way and be in that presence of God. No, for, for no longer is that the case. For now we've been, we've been invited into what the Bible says is the holy of holies. Come on. We're released from the bondage of being trapped away from God. The cage doors open. Now we can run free. In Revelation 21 verse 3 says, and I, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I want you to understand the presence of God is the promise that his kingdom has come to earth. The presence of God is, is the promise that his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that rules and reigns, the kingdom that's above every other thing, the kingdom in which in one day there will be a day where every knee bows and every tongue confesses. The, the pride of mankind won't stand in the presence of God. For the, within the presence of God, the, the love of God will be shown abroad in the hearts of every man. And we will desire nothing more than to do what? Than to worship Him. And to worship Him like the angels. The scripture says they cry, holy, holy, holy. Day and night that they sing. Day and night they cry out, holy, holy, holy. The foundations of all of heaven Right, are shaken with the sound of the worship and adoration for a holy God because His presence is made known to them. Then why? Why, dear ones, are we bound? when we can be released. There is, I'm telling you right now, when you talk about the presence of God, he comes. When you invite the spirit of God, he shows up. Come on, church. 
And it's his presence that can help us. No matter what we are going in, up and against in life, it is his presence. And no matter what, is, what the foe is, no matter what we're facing, the presence of God is there. Everything's different. Everything's different. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, do not be afraid. Right? Courage over captivity. Come on, somebody. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Come on, everybody. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That's what it says. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He doesn't promise, again, he doesn't promise that we won't go through difficulty, but that he was with us when we do. Listen, there's nothing like going through challenging things with the people around you that you know, with their help, you can make it through. But when we're alone, let me back up, but when we feel alone, can I validate your feelings for a moment? Come on, some, someone. Now, I want to I validate them to the point where they need validating because we can't be led by our feelings because feelings can be easily manipulated, yes? Come on, right? But when we know the truth, that when they're with us, when, when, when the people are around us, when, when, when the right people are with me, I can accomplish whatever it is that I set out to accomplish. Now, now, now look at me, look at me. If I'm going to accomplish certain things, I need certain people. If I'm going to accomplish other things, I need a different group of certain people, right? I think too often we get lulled into thinking that we can just have one group of people. You need a tribe of people in your life that can help walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through. Yeah? I've, over the years, I've heard this analogy, and I thought it was brilliant, but I like to think of it like a bullpen, right? You know, you have pitchers in a bullpen that might pitch two pitches, three pitches, to one batter, and that's all they're good for, right? They're going to face one guy with a certain kind of pitch at a certain count in, in, in the line, you know, the whole thing. It, does, it matters. It matters. you got to have that guy. you got to have that lefty throwing to that lefty, right? you got to have that guy. you got to have that one. At that point, if, if you don't have that, you're in trouble. That's why many of us who are laymen, we're like, it's ridiculous the amount of money that they pay those people. How many of you have ever said that about a professional athlete? And none of them were your sons. That's why you said that. If any of them would have been your sons, you would have been writing a different tune. How many of you know that? But it's because they have a certain marketable set of skills. Right? And the market dictates the amount on the check. Yeah? If you have the right bullpen in which to pull from, can I tell you something? Let me, let me give you some, a cheat code this morning, okay? Here's a cheat code. If God's presence is the first call you make, if it's him who you invite in, even the frailty of your bullpen looks like all-stars. They look amazing now. Right? You could have showed up with the bad news bears. But you got the presence of God. You got it. You got it handled. Right? So the promise that he mentions more than any other in Scripture 
And we can hold on to the promises that God has mentioned to us, right? We can hold on to those. Is, is simply, I will be with you. I will be with you. The command mentioned more than any other command in Scripture is do not be afraid. Why, why, can, why would God mention that more than any other command? Because if we have access to his presence, we need not fear. Right? We don't need to fear if God's with us. We don't need to be afraid. Because the presence of God is with us in our lives. So 30 of the 33 times in the Bible, or the, I mean 300 of the 300 and something times in the Bible where it says, do not be afraid, it's connected to the presence of God. Over 300 times. It's always talking about God and his presence in our lives. And, and, and hey, if I could just get the problem to go away, well, that would be great. No, if you could get God's presence to show up in the middle of it, that would be great. Right? Our God is greater. See, the, if the problem, if it's just problems you're trying to get over, you're trying to leave, you, that, that'll leave you restless. Because even when you get over the current problems, there are even more coming, right? I mean, you find that to be true. Like, <laughs> so, so, um, so let's talk about how, how we can increase our faith. We, we talked about that last week. Let's, let's hit it again. How can we increase our faith? Okay, to step out of the cage of our own fear. How do we increase that? Okay, number one, rest in God's, per, rest in God's presence, okay? How, how many of you remember the movie Jaws? Anybody remember Jaws? Everyone heard of the movie? Everyone's seen the movie? Probably, probably most of you haven't seen the movie. How many of you have seen the movie Jaws? <laughs> A bunch of youngsters haven't seen it. They're like, we heard about it. How many of you, when you were a kid, you were at a pool party, right, and somebody's swimming around in the pool, and, and then somebody made this sound? Right? Right? Thank you. Y'all were on it. Good job. Good job, Bobby. Um, you know, psychologists tell us that if people have a fear about sharks, it's not that they fear sharks. It's they fear the unknown. Right? It's they fear the unknown. I know people that won't swim in the ocean. Why? Because there's sharks in there. You could be in gin clear water. I should have said crystal clear. It's a different crowd. Crystal clear water. And know that there are no sharks. And people are still like, there's books and books and books on fear you might want to read some irrational fear come on everybody right but the fear of the unknown is what drives so much of our own concerns the worry and the anxiety of the unknown so when God comes along and he says hey I will be with you we partially Believe him. You don't have to be afraid, God says. We're like, yeah, in some areas. It's a promise that if we, if we, if we have his presence, that, that God, when God is with us, we, there's nothing to fear. And even though we face an unknown future, if we do it with God by our side, we're going to be fine. Corey Tinboom said this, we trust the unknown future to the God who knows the future. And we let him carry the weight of that in our hearts and lives. We trust the future to the God who knows the future. You don't have, you don't have to worry about the future. It's bigger than you can handle, okay? But God knows all about it. He knows what's coming, and he's already there. So it's too big for our mind to understand. How do you know? I mean, what do you mean? God's already there. He's in the future and he's in the past. He's in the present. Come on, everyone. There is nowhere where God doesn't reside. And so if we trust in the one who knows the future, who's been there, who's currently there, he can walk us into the future with the right steps to position our lives in the way where we are released to walk in his presence. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but I understand. 
Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. In other words, I've paid your debt. I've paid the price. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Somebody needs to believe that. Right? Maybe today you're in a challenging spot. Could be with many things in your life, but God is, God is with you in that valley. He's with you. You're not alone. So whatever the difficulty, you need to feel released from the difficulty of that moment and understand that where God's presence resides, come on church, there's freedom. Where the freedom of the Lord is, there is. Where the presence of the Lord is there is freedom. I sang it wrong. Yeah. That's what I get for going back to the 90s praise songs. In the Bible, water is often a symbol of chaos. And I love that in Genesis, it says that God hovered over the waters of the deep. Think about that for a second. If water is a symbol sometimes of chaos in Scripture, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, just hovered over the chaos. Showing us what? It doesn't matter what's out there. He's above it. Come on. He's above it. And and, and I love that. Even even God was bringing order to the chaos. And it's that idea runs all through the Old Testament into the New, right? And I tell I tell you that because one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jesus walking on the water. I love that. I just, I dig it. Every time I'm out on the boat, I'm like, how do you do it? Like, it would be awesome, right? You, you watch that big bass just come up over there by that stump and splash. You're like, I can't get there fast enough in the boat. But if I could walk, big Sheila be coming home with me. You know what I'm saying? Smile at me, Dill. That was funny. I name fish. I do. They're all women, and they're all big girls. Sorry, y'all. I just that's how I do it. Matthew chapter fourteen, verse thirty. Uh, and dude, Matthew fourteen has been like I'm. I'm gonna have to spend some time preaching out of Matthew fourteen. Okay, just get ready. Okay, but Matthew fourteen. Verse 30 says, but when when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. How many of you remember who this is? Right? Save me, Lord. He shouted, right? This is Peter, right? And he's, 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 he's just getting his eyes off where they should be. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said this. And I may come back to this next week, okay? So be ready. But Jesus said to him, he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? What's going on here? What's happening here, right? Is it, what, what's happening is that when, when Peter looked around at his situation, he begins to what? Fear overwhelms him. Fear overcomes him. And he allows the situation that he's in to blind him from whose presence he's in. I, I don't want to ask this question out loud for you to like answer out loud, but how many of you have been in a fist fight? Don't answer because people will judge you. Some people will scoot away from you. That happened to me once or twice, and uh, it was always their fault. No, I'm, I've got to repent. It wasn't. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. Always. It wasn't always their fault. Um, when you get into a situation where physical confrontation and physical violence almost is a necessity, you learn real quick 
who's with you or who's not. Now, most people aren't with you because they don't like you. They're, they're not with you because they don't like pain. Hello? And, and every, time, every time I think about that, I, I think back to my junior high coach slapping me in the face, trying to wake me up from, from passing out every day at football practice. So I had a lung issue that I, and I couldn't breathe very well. And Coach Chavis would get down on his knee and he'd say, Owen, you okay, son? You okay? Come on, get up, son. You're breathing, right? And then he'd say this, son, pain is short-lived. It's short-lived. Move beyond it. Can I say this? I don't want to offend you. I love you. Because I love you, can I, I'm going to be honest with you. We got to toughen up. Hello? Pain is short-lived. Every day I passed out. Every day I got stronger. Okay? 30 years later now, I wouldn't have been able to play that game. You know what I'm saying? Because we're weaker today as a culture. Because... Because if you hurt, will we move away from pain? Hello? Sometimes pain's something to move away from. Sometimes pain is a hurdle to get over. What type of pain are you facing? What kind of bondage are you in? What kind of release do you need? This is going a whole different direction. I just feel like this is where God has us. But I'm just telling you. I don't believe that faith is the absence of fear. I believe that faith, I believe that fear is just faith in the wrong things. Fear is just faith in the wrong things. Because if I know that the presence of God is leading and directing me, if I know that where He is, I can be, where if I call upon his name, he will come. Come on, hello? Then I know, I know that the strength and the power that God with, that, that he holds, I know that he will, he, I'm his son. He loves me, right? If you look to him and trust him, and rest in his presence, he'll sustain you. Number two. I need to hurry, but number two, rely. You, you need to rest. And then number two, you need to rely. You need to rely on his presence. Isaiah 42, verse 2, when you walk through the fire, not, not if, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up by the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Over and over and over again, in Isaiah 43, God is saying, I've ransomed you, I've brought you, I've purchased you. You will not be burned up. I'm your Savior. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid of what might happen to your loved ones. Don't be afraid. Instead, believe that God is with them. Parents, listen, you can't be with your kids all the time. Helicopter mama, daddy, right? You can't have one of those leashes on your child. Right? All the time. You're going to have to let him go. Right? Y'all preach this again to me in August. <laughs> Dear Lord. Right? Um. Hmm. you got to rely on the presence of God being with them. Going with them. Going before them, preparing them for the journey years in advance. Come on, church. Preaching to me right now. Mm. And I want to, I want to, I'll wrap up with this. A great story in scripture. We've, we've studied it at length, but I want to, I want to wrap up with it. About relying on the presence or the, the story of the three Hebrew boys, right? My shack, your shack, and a bungalow. 
right? They, they served King Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they, had a, they had an idol. Nebuchadnezzar had an idol made of himself, and he had all the people in the kingdom bow down and worship the idol. And these three Jewish boys, what did they do? They weren't going to do that. They weren't going to do that. And, and they didn't have a mom saying to them, hey, 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 just, just go along with it. Don't, ruffle, don't, 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 don't shake the boat up. Just be nice to the king. Mamas, nice isn't the goal. Man, that would go on a t-shirt really well. Nice isn't the goal. It would need some context on the back, but... <laughs> What did they do? They served King Nebuchadnezzar. They served him. And these, these Jewish boys, they, they weren't going to bow. And, and, and the king, King Neb, he gets upset, doesn't he? He calls him into the court one more time, and he gives him one last chance, and he says, what God is going to save you from my power? You're saying that your God, this Hebrew God, is going to save you. I want to know... I want to know what God is going to save you from this. In Daniel chapter 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I want you to understand the strength and character of these three young men. They didn't bow up, right, with the posture of a 19-year-old bulletproof 5'10 boy, 180 pounds soaking wet. Come on with three of his little friends standing behind him that are going to run when the first swing is thrown. They didn't do that. What did they say? With honor. Hello? They addressed him as king. They said, oh, king, we do not need to defend ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will. Rescue us. Notice the resolve in their voice. The dedication, right? He will rescue us from your power. Your majesty. But even if he does not. Stop right there. That's the spot, right? Yeah. That's when you've got to pick the lock from the inside. That's when you understand that you've had the keys the whole time. Hello, church. They said this, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. You, you know the story. The king has the heat turned up seven times hotter, which doesn't make sense to me at all. Talked about that. But so hot that the guards that were going to throw them in died, <laughs> right? And, and if you're me, if you're like me, that, that's tough. It's tough to think about because, I mean, couldn't God have shown up before they throw, were thrown into the fire? Sure. No question he could have. But again, the promise isn't that you're not going to walk through something. The promise is what? The fire that you're going to go through, the fire... <laughs> The bigger the fire, the bigger the promise. That if you go through it, I will be with you. Pain is short-lived. Daniel 3.24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie three men up and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They, and I want, I want to put pause right there and say, Oh, sir, that was no angel. That is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the one who no one turns up the furnace hot enough for. Verse 29, therefore I make this decree of any people, whatever their race or nation or or, or language, speak a word against this God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb and their, their houses will be burnt or turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. I want you to notice that when we invite the presence of God to lead, when we invite him in, when we when we extend the 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 the, the honor, right, to trust in a God who will bring us through the moment in which we are standing in, that when that happens, that God, him, the almighty God, come on church. He's not only able to rescue us, but he turns a nation of people toward himself who's that nation who is it who is it in your life who's the nation of people that if they were to watch you walk through the fire their minds would be changed their hearts would come to know him, come to want to be close to him. Come on, church. Would desire his presence. Listen, today, even when you're in the fire, you're not alone. Why? Because the presence of God is with you. The presence of God is there. See, God's presence is the promise that leads to peace. It's his presence that gets us to peace. So the challenge for us today is to rely upon the presence of God each day. Every day. On the worst days and and even the best ones. That we invite the presence of God to go before us. To surround us. Come on, church. To be our rear guard. Come on, everybody. I want you to stand at your feet. And I want us, I want us to to look on within the inside of us. I know the Holy Spirit has been calling out things in your life right now. Areas of life where you have felt trapped, where you have felt like there's there's just no release. But I want you to understand God's presence is the promise you can count on the promises of God. How many of you rely upon that? God, I can, I can, I can know. There's a lot of things I don't know, but there's there's some things I do know. I know I can count on what you have promised to me. I know I can promise. I, I know I can count on what you promised me. I know what you I can count on what you promised over my children. I know I can count on what you've promised the church. I know that, that the gates of hell won't stand against it. I, I know what. I can count on the promise that where you are, that where two or three are, there you are in the midst of them. I know that I can count on the promise that you will heal, that you will provide, that you will overcome all the works of the enemy. Come on, church. So you right now, what is it? What is it that you would ask the Lord? God, Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They walked out of that furnace. Just just like that zookeeper wanted to let those crazy birds out of that that pen. But they would not because they'd been lulled into believing they were safe right there. What is it that you you want to walk out from? I want want to do something. We don't do this real often because we're just so out of room. But here's what I want to do. If, If that's you right now, I just want you to step out of your seat and come to the front and worship the Lord. 
I want you to come and just assume a posture of prayer. And you just come, you step out, step out like you're walking out, like you're walking out. You're being released right now in Jesus' name from whatever it is that's held you bound. There's no shame. We all have things in our lives. Come on, church. Come on, right now. Come on, move, 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 move. We're going to walk toward him. We're going to release. We're going to ask the Lord, God, God, we, we choose in this moment to surrender. We walk toward you. Come on, all over this room, all over this house. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then here's the deal. No one prays alone. No one prays alone. We, 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 we surround each other and we love, we care for. What is it right now that you need to walk out of, that you need to walk away from? What you're doing is you're not saying no, you're saying yes to God. You're saying yes to Him. Yes to Him. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God says, for I am with you. My presence is here to see you through it. God, all over this house, we worship you, we thank you, we honor you for what you're doing in our lives. We trust you. God, we just ask. We ask that you go before us. Your word says you are, so we believe it. We trust in the fact, God, that what you've said, the promises you've made us will come to pass. So we trust you. We trust in your healing. Come on, church. We trust in your, we trust in your involvement in our lives. God, we trust in your provision. We trust you. We trust you for salvation. We trust you for life. If you're here this morning and you are not following Jesus, the Bible says if you accept him, that you believe it in your heart that he is who he said he was, that he's the son of God, that you would confess your sin to him, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, that you will be saved. So right now where you are, ask the Lord of Lords to lead your life as your Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.